ASC Scene World Podcast. My name is AJ, and that guy in the little window over there, that's that's Yerk. Hi. You gotta go again. Yeah. Here, here. Somewhere here. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Um in a minute we are talking with Oliver Lindau. Um he is uh releasing uh I the Beholder porting it to the C sixty four. It wasn't a media game and I think it was on say uh, Genesis and Mega Drive and all the junk. Um, and now he is putting it on the C sixty four, and we're talking right. to him he shortly. Right, he the graphics for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He he used to be um, a graphic artist commercially for uh, Starbite, mm-hmm. and he is active in the demo scene since a couple of years ago already. Correct. And correct. we already did an interview, a historical one in twenty fourteen. And now we wanted to have him for the podcast yep. talking about the reason stuff he's working on. He also hung out with us during uh, Gamescom on several of the plant panels. So right, we'll exactly. put a link right here, or if you want, or there in one of these somewhere down there, so that right. where you can you can go if you want to check out the uh, the panels that we yeah. did during Gamescom last year. Yeah, he was part of the German German retro mm-hmm. panel. Well, he was in um, the English retro panel as well. No, he wasn't. You sure? He didn't have time at that time. I, yeah, I, I was almost have... certain that, I, that we no, talked. Oh, no, God. Was, is this going to be one no. of these things again where I remember things wrong? Yes, obviously. <laughs> no, he was definitely <laughs> not in the English one because, because he didn't have time. Okay. So, he, he was in the big long one that we were in later on. The, the, um, the um, what was that, the retro compot? He was part of that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So that's he's right. in just a minute. Uh, before that, we don't have too much news to go with, but a little tiny bit that we can. I leave it to you about. because this time I'm not informed whatsoever what's going well, on. Uh, one thing is that uh, Bitmap Soft. Uh, there's a new game. We're talking about games on the 64 with Oliver Lindau, and there's a new one um, released by Bitmap Soft, um, and it's in cartridge form apparently called uh, Freaky Fish DX. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, and it's their first, it's Bitmap first, um, Bitmap Softs, rather, first cartridge release uh, on their label. And it's uh, Freaky Fish DX, which is a little arcade style game. Um, you're, a, you, you're a little fish and you blow bubbles at other fishes, I guess. You know, that's interesting because on the. Um, um, DX normally stands for Deluxe, mm-hmm. and on the Game Boy platform, for example, DX was always when a re-released Game Boy mm-hmm. game came to the Game Boy Color in color. Mm-hmm. That is yes. why you have that, that is why you have Zelda D, DX, right? And stuff yeah. that was well, in, in in color and stuff, you know. Yeah, well, that's... Metroid Two DX, think... and they are and stuff. Yeah, well, so... I think this is used as a, as a replacement for Deluxe because Freaky Fish, the actual game, has been available as a digital download, but a name your own price digital download. Right. Um, but so this, this thing, is a commercial release. Yes, this the cartridge version has five new levels, um, different music. Um, enhancements to the NTSC version, um, which nice. enhanced NTSC. Yes, yes. Um, there's, <laughs> there's, you know, a different bonus game, a new title screen. There's a little, little changes throughout it. So, and it's also available as a cassette re- a release. But I don't know if um, that has the um, 
the deluxe stuff that the cartridge has. So you can order that from Bitmap Soft. It's down there, the link, or wherever we put links. I don't know. I'm not editing this. Jurg's hey, editing this. So wherever he wants to of put course, the links. Always putting links down. Yeah. <laughs> wherever he wants to put them, he can put them. Um, right so in the, your face. Yes. <laughs> that's that's and fine like with me. Like a censorship bar. Like yeah. Enough of his eyes. That's fine with me. Um, and the only other, other bit I have is, um, um, is that there are, I, I guess, so, so, so Zork or, uh, Infocom rather released Zork in the early eighties. Um, right. there was also like, they, they released mini Zorks. That could right. be sent on that were that were small enough to be put on tape that could all be loaded into memory at once because the actual the original Zork that was on disc um, did a lot of loading. Yeah, you know it was one of the the few you know as, as far as text adventures go, um, the very first ones that I had experience with were all com compiled basic and all lived. Oh, in memory. And, and there's a thing about Zork that some people don't know mm -hmm. in '97. When Activision took over the brand, mm -hmm. they actually released the unreleased last episode of Zork for the Commodore 64. Mm. Okay. So 97, um, um, Activision actually released the Zork. Okay. It's okay. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, it's free for download on, cool. on GameBase 64 mm -hmm. and other places. So uh, it's a freeware product. Very cool. That Very was quite cool. nice of Activision. Yeah, yeah. Well, so so they did the that little sliced down version of, of the original Zork that could be distributed on a cassette, but they never did it with the rest of them. Um, but they were working on uh, Mini Zork Two, you know, a cut down version of Zork Two that could be released on cassette and loaded into memory. But they 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 abandoned it when it was almost done. Um, I get, but there's there's a dude, um, and this is gonna hurt, but Torbjorn Anderson, Torbjorn, mm -hmm. um, probably Danish, Norwegian. Yeah, I would imagine. Yes, Swedish? yes, yes. Um, he's got a um, a repository at GitHub. 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 Oh my God, what's wrong with me? Uh, GitHub. Um, as long as it don't say crap hub, we all. Well, yeah. Um, but he's got a repository on, on GitHub where he has, um, fixed all the bugs he could find in it. And now it is possible to play the mini Zork 2 to completion finally. Wow. So we'll throw a link to there where you can download and check out the, actually, he's, actually read about that. Yeah. There's I've actually a couple of different compiled versions of the game. Um, and there's a single file, and there's also a disk-based version for the 64 and 128, and one for the plus four, and a Z3 file, which can be used with the Z code interpreter, which is like, you know, like your Zork text adventure interpreter for whatever. Wow, nice. So that's all there. Uh, we'll put a link to that down this way and whatnot. And you nice, can check nice, that out. nice, nice, nice. And nice. that is all that I have. Honestly, you know, we're, 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 we're recording this uh, early April and um, 
<laughs> I was looking. I thought I had more news, but it turns out that a lot of it, when I actually read it, was uh, April Fool's news. So, uh, right, right, right. There was there was a really good well, one about the uh, about the Commander X sixteen. You know, um, uh, the Apex guy has this Commander X sixteen computer that he's sort of designing and building along with Perifractic and whatnot. And uh, they they said they said on uh, April Fool's Day that they were being sued and had to change the name of it. Uh, of course. And it sounded yeah. it sounded plausible because that's exactly the sort of thing that happens these days. People get you know. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah you we know, had I mean, that in many many interviews. Yeah, for example, right. the last one that they released was Jim True. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, that's that's I you know I I almost expected it to be to be to be real, mm-hmm. and then I got halfway through the damn thing and realized, oh no, they're just dicking around. It's because it's April mm-hmm. Fool's Day. Mm-hmm. Makes well, a, so makes the news section difficult. <laughs> let's let's jump over to Vito. Yes. Eye of the Beholder. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. So today we are talking with Oliver Lindau. Oliver is a a prolific gaming uh, producer, and he is responsible um, for Eye of the Beholder, the new C64 port of the game. Which which existed on the Amiga, which I have played briefly on the Amiga. I should have it running on this Amiga, and I don't because I'm an idiot and didn't plan before this ahead, uh, plan ahead before this. But um, oh, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, hello. Yeah, the interesting thing here is about Oliver. He used to be a commercial graphic artist mm-hmm. for uh, Starbite. Yes. Software mm-hmm. and. Uh, well, when you left, when you left the uh, video game industry, you actually rejoined a couple of years ago as um, a hobbyist graphic artist. And uh, the funny thing is, I got to know you in revision, and I was sitting on a table, and you were asking me like, "Hey, is this the Portuguese table?" I'm like, "No, do I look like I'm from Portugal?" <laughs> so this is how he this is how he ended up sitting li- right left to me, you know. Yeah. And I had I had to um to watch how he pixels his competition winner on this uh, revision um in the eye of the storm. Hmm. And I was almost impressed. 10 years ago, almost yes. 10 years ago. Wow. And I was impressed. Wow. I was impressed because for me for me, this picture looked finished hours ago, <laughs> but Oliver was still doing pixel changes. <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, he's, no, he's knowing what he's doing. So that was impressive. Well, yeah, so yeah. I'm, yeah. yeah. So I'm very happy that um, after we did the historical interview, like in 2014, that now you are back to the podcast and we are talking today about what you are working on right now. And A of the Beholder is a big thing. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and not not even that. Before you worked on the Karen. Um, yeah. Uh, on the Karen games. Yes. Yep. Well, it was a point and click adventure project. I started uh, in 2015 together with uh, Martin Wendt um, and Kamil Wolnikowski, who are both um, also known in the C64 scene as Enthusi and um, Gemma, um, which was uh, quite an ambitious project. Um, 
we didn't know what to do, or at least Martin started doing a point-and-click adventure engine, which was quite um, potential, had showed some potential right then, um, and there was a, a, a competition in the forum 64, um, and he asked me if we should participate because he had uh, started with with some routines and um, well, we I said yes and um, rest uh, developed to the current game you both know hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yes, and also also a couple of of a couple of games comes ago, you showed um, you showed a couple of people um, among me that you were working on a mode 7 implementation from the super nintendo <laughs> on the commodore 64 so pseudo 3d and stuff that was oh. very impressive yeah because uh, but um i was not involved with graphics um back then um it's a routine that martin wrote um which is uh, which also has some potential, um, but um, because of other projects, there's nothing happening uh, since then. Um, but we are still looking forward to do something when um, when the eye of the beholder and most of the other projects are done. Hmm. Yeah, amazing, amazing. So, so I see you have it in your background right yes. now, eye yeah. of the yeah. beholder. Maybe tell us a bit about it. How did this idea even start? I mean, it's a very ambitious project. Well, everything started way before uh, we all people with graphics and music and so are involved. Um, it's in 1992, the coder of this project, Andreas Larsson, um, started doing hacks for uh, Eye of the Beholder because it was his favorite game back then. Uh, and he wrote, um, something like a save file uh, editor for for the game um, and started reverse engineering the Amiga version. Um, then he developed um, a, a RPG engine, which uh, was quite, quite uh, basic back then. And he already said that it wouldn't have worked uh, even how much um, effort he would put into it. And... Um, well, um, then he went back to Eye of the Beholder um, as a project. I think it was in 2006 or so, um, or seven. Um, and then there was um, was a small demo version where you can running around in the dungeon and uh, doing some stuff but it didn't work at all at the moment and then he started over this project and asked some people in the scene um, I was one of them it was uh, I came to the team in 2009 hmm. wow um, but uh, only thing I did back then was um, was the logo because I know um, that he struggled with the technology, because the C64 is um, too limited um, to handle this um, on its own with floppy disk and stuff. And then he went or switched over to C128. Okay. Uh, did a second approach, which was also <laughs> still too... Um, there wasn't enough RAM for this k- kind of game. Huh. Um, 
So, and um, then he uh, dropped the whole project about uh, 2011 or so and um, switched over to um, Java um and uh tried uh, the to port the game um and i don't know when exactly he also ported the whole game to ios hmm. but the copyright owners were not interested in uh, publishing the game oh. mm, okay okay that's that's, uh... that's sounding like a lot of effort quite effortless and uh, quite yeah senseless in a way but then 2018 happened and he started over the project again on the C64. But this time using an easy flash cartridge. And an there easy flash go. cartridge is, um, is uh, something which is comparable to the Ocean cartridges which were released in, um, in the early 90s by Ocean. That's the name. Uh -huh. um, and those are uh, quite... Um, smart uh, smart devices because you can use up to uh, half a megabyte back then and somebody did the whole uh, thing again with uh, up to one megabyte of ram and um the cool thing about cartridges back then is that you can switch the memory in no time right in almost no time so memory and, bank switching basically yes Exactly. And this is the whole magic because of why this uh, project works right now. There uh, are not many games that uh, do something like this. I know that back then the Toki version did something similar. Um, and uh, in 2011, the release of uh, um, Prince of Persia did similar things. Yeah, but, but Prince of Persia, I think, is different because it needs, it needs an alt ultimate or similar no no no, no? it no. works it works uh, just because uh, he used the bank switching mm -hmm. okay yeah. okay so but but i i think i think i remember correctly that the reason is um because um i mean that is one of the reasons why toki for many many years were was never cracked with music yeah it was only there were only versions back then without music yeah only afterwards i think in the recent years i think it was nostalgia they released um a golden version of toki with music yeah exactly okay so um so now we're basically talking about using easy flash as as a sophisticated ram expansion in which everything exactly. exists in memory at, at any given time and yeah. you can just swap in it out and you don't have to worry about disk loads yeah, because when when we do, don't use uh, something like this, then the whole game would be in slow motion mm -hmm. the whole time. Um, one screen changes and you have to wait. Right. And um, right. this is something that doesn't work for this kind of game. Um, but now he, he did this engine and um, all people which were involved um, asked him to rejoin the project. And um, yeah, well, uh, I... I did work on the introduction back then. I did the whole graphics for this. Um, and uh, after this was finished, um, I still am working on uh, some rebuilding of the background graphics in the game. Hmm. So, Very cool. And uh, I think the project, the whole game is already finished. 
at the moment. Um, but we are still working on graphic touches um, that some objects are more clear to um, that um, all switches are can be seen in the graphics because it's on a C64 it's a different thing on, as on a 16-bit machine with with um, a custom palette. Right. Yeah. Right. But but do you use some graphical tricks? I mean, like interlace or something to make more colors? Um, no, not that way. Um, I usually uh, do some special color combinations in in some places, which might work on a CRT display and look like different color combinations. Um, but I prefer to uh, stay basic here. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Because I think uh, graphics look more crisp um, if you still go with the uh, traditional color uh, color combinations. Plus, you're That's talking true. about with with an Amiga. Uh, you, you know, I mean, this the, the game was uh, the Beholder existed on the Amiga, and you had a much sharper. Jurg likes to talk about how on you know these machines were made for CRTs, where the colors would yeah. blend and nothing was really crisp. But the Amiga actually was made for to have a crisp display, you know. So, so it, you know, having uh, doing that kind of blurry color blend of the CRT doesn't really translate in this in particular instance. Um, yeah, but but I still I I, uh, I still use my uh, C64 uh, setup with um, CRT mm -hmm. display. I ch check all graphics on the original hardware. Um, that it looks fine, mm -hmm. um, but um, my graphic style anyway is uh, not exactly using some uh, color tricks or dithering stuff. Uh, um, I still follow more the tradition of um, classic um, C64 graphics from the uh, graphic artists from the US. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Like, what? What? what which? Do you have any graphic artists uh, in particular? Uh, uh, Jim Sachs. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. From, yes. Uh, from Cinemaware. Yeah. yeah. There are some European uh, graphic artists which have all has similar um, similar style doing going on. I think about Karen Davies, for example. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know which one I always loved? Uh, it was an EA artist, uh, Michael Kosaka. Oh yeah, Michael Kosaka was my idol for animation. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He is a genius. Yes. Absolutely. Yes, that guy's amazing. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so, so graphicians bonding over their idols. I love it. <laughs> 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 yeah, well, so uh, do you? Can you show us a bit of the graphical um, masterpiece right there? Yeah, I can show you the whole introduction right okay. now, if you're allowed to do that. Uh, by the way, of by course. The way, as as I said at the beginning, did did you talk um, with the copyright holders about the C64 version? Will it be official, or do you have no. to rename it, or um, or is it? We, it's not official, but we won't rename it. Um, we were talking about this. This whole problem is um, that they are still not interested. And this is the major problem here. Okay. Who is the um, copyright holder for it? Um, Wizards of the Coast. Okay. 
they're not um, in a way that they said no, you doesn't, you are not allowed. Um, they did not respond. Um, they are, we, they were asked about um, the rights and to do something like an um, official release of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a, what are you going up to? And so, and uh, after a second email contract, nothing happened anymore. And this happened several times. Hmm. And um, the, I think the main um, major thing is that they have something like an open license, but um, you're not allowed to use original content for, uh, for this. You are allowed to do uh, uh, fan games in the AD&D universe, for right. example, right. but but you don't. You are not allowed to do uh, an Eye of the Behold part. <laughs> hmm. um, so, but uh, we decided to uh, finish this game anyway, and we will release it as open source. Um, Just because we, th- we were thinking it developed in a, uh, in a way, it, it's, it's simply it's too good. Just change the name not... to like Eyeball of the Beholder. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I'm absolutely no fan of that. Uh, such <laughs> no. So it's for everyone, and uh, hmm. it's uh, fine, and um, it will be spread the way it always did. <laughs> so, I mean, so. I mean, I mean, I mean, it would be very, very sad if it was axed like the Super Mario, Super Mario conversion, you know, yeah. by Nintendo or something. I mean, I mean that yeah, wasn't commercial either. But, it, it was still but you axed. know how things happen. Uh, it, one once in a web and everybody got it yeah it's, yeah <laughs> but also also you know wizards of the coast is not um nintendo who you know is gonna yeah. come down with a freaking battle axe the moment you do anything especially if it, you know since if you're not if you're not selling it if you're not making money off of it it's not it's yeah. just a it's it's a labor of love kind of thing you're doing it because you like you know well they know how how these uh, kind of projects um started and mm-hmm. uh, how they developed they know that most of the stuff is because people are fans of the project right. and um it's pretty rare that that there is a whole game at the end right and um um and on the other side if you are stay humble everything is fine mostly interestingly it's... interestingly i had the same i had the same conversation with sega um regarding sonic mania and they they actually told me that um the game the game these this um fan game you know sega did actually a different approach they said like yeah continue your game and we will make it commercial yeah. after it's finished so yeah that's also a nice approach you know yeah but but sega was always different to nintendo or on the other companies they mm-hmm. officially said that uh, for them there's advertisement kind of advertisement for their own games right uh, right true yeah. true true all right so let's look into it and uh, yeah. well i mean we can get comments from the original graphic artist while the while the intro runs that's a that's a new thing here oh, cool. in this podcast. Oh, my God. Hmm. Tell us all the secrets. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now you see the introduction here, um, which is mostly very quite close to the original. Um, I tried to reassemble the 
the uh, font as you see here and also every single scene um, has been reproduced but um, not ported in a classical way it's more like a demo scene demo uh, so, because each scene had some different um, different ways how to use it this, this is for example a character mode animation uh, which is combined with multi-layered sprites and uh, something um, which is called a uh, cookie cutter effect but uh, which is not seen here but the scene is uh, come back in a minute or here this is a bitmap graphic with a sprite layer for the characters which are coming in This is quite interesting um, because the original, there's a scum version of Eye of the Beholder and um, the whole animation stuff you're seeing here is ripped from, uh, from scum, but the graphics are completely uh, developed individual, uh, independent. So this is a cookie cutter effect that uh, the shadows and the people which are coming out of um, this castle are, are completely, um, exact shapes that there are no overlay effects and stuff going on and the most ambitious part is coming up this is this animation which is way more smooth than in the original yeah it is i put almost a half a year in just this one sequence From the watching experience, it's it, it feels a bit like Last Ninja Three um, on the C sixty four. Okay, it it felt like watching the exact Amiga intro because I, I I have that game and it's it's almost <laughs> like it I is did. beat for beat perfect. Yeah. yeah, no, no, I mean, I mean, since I never had an Amiga, I can only compare it to something I know from the Commodore sixty four, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. and I know that. Um, that last ninja 3 was one of the intros that really impressed me a lot you know because um as you can see a lot of things are animated to very very detail and even the tiny things that normal people wouldn't notice are animated like the shadows like the cow yeah. that was um you know eating and lowering lowering its head to the crowd and stuff so this kind of detail is amazing because especially back in the 80s 90s you you wouldn't animate stuff that people wouldn't focus on to to save resources and stuff yeah here i have a, a project website or this is uh, this is these are parts of the project website which is processed for the uh, public mm -hmm. how to, how some parts of the introduction works and um Oh no, that's not the process one. This is um, my internal one. I have to switch over. One moment, one moment. There we, here we go. Um, this is how um, some of the sequences worked. And um, this, for example, is actually an multicolor graphic logo mm -hmm. with a sprite overlay 
And the sprite overlay is created like this. There are three um, shapes for this. And the coder is just changing the sprites um, that there is something like this glow effect. Right. Oh, nice, nice. I guess, I guess um, Defender of the Crown that also used this kind of F effect on the Commodore 64 used something similar. I yeah, um, the, I wanted something like the visual of this because I was thinking about is it just the logo or on its own? It's boring. Wonderful, it's, wonderful. Hmm. Or here, this is the tower sequence, and the tower sequence are actually the tower is uh, created with sprites. Oh, really? Yeah, the whole tower here. These are sprites, and. Huh. Um, there are some parts um, that might be uh, that it works is because I saved some sprites here for as a mask to cover uh, a background scene which is um, created with character set mm. graphics. Okay. <laughs> so, so you are kind of misusing the techniques for other stuff than you originally intended. Misusing Remind is a huge word. I'm creative <laughs> with this. Yeah, no, that's actually that's that's yeah, that that's 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 brilliant. That's nice. I mean, I mean, there is a typical example um, where where that where um, where they were using techniques for different stuff than original intended, and that was Lemmings on the Commodore yeah. 64. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like you said, this it's is often not used use because you are limited with colors using sprites. But anyway, are, there are shades of gray here. Why yeah. not? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you don't need you need you don't need much color for gray. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, no. Like you said earlier, this is like you know, this is pure straight up demo scene. You know, stuff. This is how you would do that. You know, I, my brain would probably go with trying to upscroll a text. You know, text graphics and having the little scene yeah. behind it in sprites, but you've done the opposite way, which makes more sense. I, I mean, I mean, in the history of the Commodore, you always had to find new techniques. I mean, uh, even back then in nineteen ninety four, before it was released, Lemmings, it was considered impossible on this machine. And, and right there, uh, Oliver is working on another project that is originally um, taught to be impossible, you know. So, incredible. Here, here the uh, sphere, for example, these are also sprites. Um, and what I, I did for the coder is that I um, created the graphics for the sprites and he has here... The whole um, matrix with the whole color combinations, that are how they are going on. So he just have to copy the stuff I was doing. Hmm. And here, here is a part uh, like the city zoom you have seen here. Right. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's a, as I said, a character mode animation. So a character mode are 
just uh, fonts which are replaced by graphic uh, elements. And um, something I did here is um, that as far as, as long as possible, I try to compress those stuff. So here are the single frames and um, I managed to um, pack two frames into one charset. So um, this is how we saved some memory. Hmm. And the most interesting is the last frame because it's um, a whole screen animation, but I masked the whole screen like this. Right. So only uh, some colors are changed here uh, during one frame. And because it's um, frequently changed, it looked like um, a major animation going on right, here. Right, right, right. Wow. And this is the overlay sprite for um, for the heroes that are coming in. And this is the cookie cutter because the screen is masked. There's no um, sprite magic or something like uh, cutting out uh, sprites or happening. There's just one sprite which is replaced. Um, in uh, in a very um, in order over the other um, heroes, but set to background sprites. And hmm. for some reason, the C64 replaces um, some um, bits from the background graphics to colors, at least. And um, this happens because the machine is not um, as as far as I know, it's a bug in the machines. Um, in the machine. Hmm. Why this happens. But um, you can use it here like a Photoshop layer. So without wasting any memory or any uh, rest of time. I mean, I mean, I mean, there were there were even games that were using graphic bugs of the Commodore 64. Um, and that was Mayhem in Monsterland, I think, is the most famous. Example. Yeah. Uh, another world, there are some, yeah, but but most of these effects, um, they, um, you have to deal with that. Um, almost every second, C64 is not capable to do this. Right. That's another it's... problem. Yeah, and um, that is why Mayhem and Monster uh, doesn't play on some machines. Yeah, on this, this works on every machine. Interesting. It's... Hmm. Here's a throne room can see here the, the, sp the sprites and the graphics here the sprites are still the that um, the dimensions of each um, person is two sprites wide and uh, this is um, quite simple here so for you that it, is a piece of cake <laughs> yeah and this is this is interesting in a way because um, most of the um, graphics here are bitmap, but the overlay not. And I tried to rearrange the, the sprites that they look like bitmap. Right, right. Here, because I, I did some overlays um, which match the um, usual bitmap graphics restrictions. Mm, wow. This is a simple a multicolor picture. And this is a big one. This is a tunnel, which is also a combination of um, K 
character mode graphics and um, in some point here the door is made of sprites because um, I could just to save memory here mm -hmm. uh, and as you can see here it's a similar it's the same thing like in the city zoom that when it's possible to compress some frames I um, pushed in into one character set right and mm. it's quite much it's everything done by hand no 3d tool was involved Oof. i mean you are a manual hand guy <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't expect different from you so this is how the introduction works oh, that's incredible So for the game, I have to restart. One moment, please. So you were basically using all the graphical tricks at once that were used in different games back then, but for, of course, for smaller accomplishments than what uh, you are doing over there. Yeah. Yeah, right, but I um, mostly were doing some stuff I usually do for scene demos. It's uh, most th things that you see here are not really common for games. Right. Yeah, but, but since since you were a commercial uh, graphic artist for games, you also know how this side of, of the business business works I, I guess yeah. I guess that is that is an advantage because let's let's be honest many many aftermarket games done in the mid 90s early 90s by demo scene groups were not so enjoyable unfortunately they looked great but they didn't play so well yeah but um everybody has to start somewhere um and when you remember in the 80s for example when um, a demo scene was starting up there was uh, something when you asked a game developer that they always said that demo scene effects won't happen in games because you need space for the game itself right. and um this is um, kind of nonsense, to be honest, uh, because when you deal with with this kind of tricks and when you use them when they're um, when it's possible, then you c it can be done anyway. It's... Nice, nice. Yeah, sure. I mean, if Obviously. you know what you're doing, yeah, yeah. So. I don't really remember if Lemmings was done by demo scene guys, but I guess they weren't demo scene guys. I don't remember. I just remember they were a Dutch group. Hmm. Well, which is close to demo scene uh, always. <laughs> <laughs> always, always. Okay. I, I mean, I mean, and and Jeruntel is yeah, also yeah, one of those examples. He he, he worked in both. He he yeah he he was a musician for commercial games but he also did music for the demo scene so he yeah. was also um living in both worlds um yeah so there are there are some exceptions of the rule and i mean i mean let's be honest um even if 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 not everybody was 
involved in the demo scene. There were still some very, um, very amazing games back then. I mean, for yeah. example, Mayhem in Monsterland was fantastic. Yeah. Um, or in the 80s, I think about games like Hawkeye. Oh, yeah. Started, started doing something like real parallax effects yeah. in games. Exactly. Exactly. Or... Um, or Kevin um, Kevin uh, Laney, I think it was, who did Armalite and other stuff. Yeah, was it Kevin Laney? Um, Armalite, wasn't it? I don't remember the name at the moment. <laughs> But yeah, Armalite is also a huge thing um, because the amount of sprites that were in this game was uh, simply incredible. Hmm. So, I started the game um, that you can see the in-game stuff for for a moment. And now this uses a mouse, like the original yeah. would use. Um, mouse uh, keyboard controls are also implemented, but um, best. It works best with the mouse and um, VASD controls. screen Jörg. that is is far beyond like like you wouldn't expect a c64 game to look like that yeah well okay but i mean i mean if i hear mouse support uh, 1351 mm -hmm. i mean that's great uh, the only reason i have a 1351 on the commodore 64 is geos and lemmings not for scene world magazine Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm using I'm using there mostly the keyboard. I have oh, to admit. Oh, I see, I see. I'm not sure, but but also games like um, Operation Wolf didn't this use the mouse? Uh, right, right. There was there was a mouse version, I believe, but I always used the light gun. The one I remembered the most was a uh, Fairy Tale Adventure, which used both both the mouse and the joystick. And then, of course, you have famous games like Shadowfire, who even used things like light pen. Mm -hmm. and <laughs> yeah. So Shadowfire, they used every input device yeah. that, that was even thinkable of. So this is the game, how it looks like. And as you can see, the performance is um, for a game which consists only on multicolor graphics, there are no character mode graphics involved here. Mm -hmm. um, it's quite fast. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And as you can see, 
everything which is in the original is also here. And um, some parts even improved because <laughs> we found the um, inventory screen looks quite boring uh, in the original. Yeah. And I think we've already progressed further than I have ever progressed in the Amiga version. Yeah, and um, something which is only in some hacks of the game, or at least one in the AGA version, which is a hack and not official, something like this. Okay. Auto mapping. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean. Let's be honest. I was a total fan of trailer back in the day, but that needed like ten seconds for each frame. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> so. Um... Now, will this support NTSC? Yeah. Ooh. Okay. Fully <laughs> well, support. <laughs> and um, um, even the um, enemies here, there are no sprites. They're all rendered in the uh, higher, in the bitmap mode. Hmm. Hmm. How about the enemies? Are th oh. are they sprites? No. Neither. No, you said okay. they're bitmap. Okay. Yeah, and I uh, just losing here for some reason. <laughs> I guess, I uh, guess if I guess yeah. if if they if they if they were sprite, they wouldn't be as detailed and as colorful. Um, there are sprites involved uh, because here each shape here, as you can see, um, usually you would have color clashes mm -hmm. with the background graphics, and so the whole contours are. Um, reworked with sprites. So it's a They're... kind of overlay. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, kind yeah. of. Kind of. Kind of. So I, I'm not sure if I can show you how this works. Um, there, there's a sprite layer which ends, which almost covers the whole scene. Here, from here to here, there's uh, only eight um, pixels left to the right, which um, are not covered with sprites. Mm -hmm. um, but you can use the sprite layer with colors black, um, dark brown, and uh, mid gray and light gray, and that can be used everywhere. Okay. Nice. Yeah. I can show the the editor for uh, actually we are using here. At least now you know how to lose. <laughs> yeah. All your party has been defeated. Yeah, I'm pretty good in this. Hmm. Um, moment. Whoosh. So this is the editor for the graphics. We are mostly using now. Um, I'm not working the whole time in this editor, only when um, most of the graphic stuff is done. So, um, and so here is a section with monsters. 
Mm, yeah, those monsters, this monster we saw before, yeah. Mm. <laughs> so, no. And here, when I um, zoom to the monster without the background, you can see that there um, are still some shapes here. And every time this happens here, then you are limited to a brown, mid-gray, gray, and black. And this is rendered as overlay in sprites right. here. Every other things like this are rendered as bitmap. So it's a combination which is um, which is shown in real time huh. this way and quite fast as you've seen um, yeah. before. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same. When the, uh, the contours are not uh, blocky, then you are limited to these colors. Mm -hmm. Well, I can understand why in these why in the early 90s this was impossible. Um, I doubt I doubt people back then had had the ideas of mixing modes and techniques in this way. Yeah. Uh, indeed. You have to try. I, I didn't think about this before Andreas came up with this kind of idea. This is something a coder must tell you that is possible. Hmm. This, well, plus, also in the in the eighties, nineties, and whatnot, you know, uh, they were people were more um, more concerned with getting the game out the door and and you know developed and out the door, and and were less concerned with necessarily how it looked or played. Whereas this yeah. is more of a something that you're doing to to show that it can be done. Yeah. yeah, and uh, I mean, in this in this aspect, in this aspect, Lemmings happened to be because there was a different approach. Mm -hmm. Nobody was was demanding the game. They were like, okay, this is told since over ten years to be impossible. Let's do it, and then and then it was just done. You know, <laughs> so, Lemmings is quite interesting because it uh, switches um, the whole concept around uh, for using sprites as background um, exactly. and and using the lemmings the main character as a character set but for some reason if you think about it it's it's a logic choice to do it this way it's... right you know and 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 we talked earlier about the publishers i mean i mean i asked my clark on one of the amiga events how did it happen to be released by psychnosis and he said like it was just another platform to tick on our portfolio. Yeah. It was easy <laughs> as that, you know. And this is how, how Lemmings happened to be the last commercial market game for the Commodore 64, just by just by accident, by chance, yeah. you know. There, there was nobody hiring those guys saying, like, you have to do it now, no matter what. It was just by chance, you know. Hmm. And um, I would amazing. argue I would argue that because there's been a lot of commercial games released for the C64 since then. Yeah, but not main market. Main market without without official uh, publishers. Exactly. Right. They exactly. were gone. The exactly. retailers the retailers didn't publish any stuff. Uh, I remember I, I was in the C64 uh, until 1992, and this was already a time where public um, rather 
retailers were saying, um, we don't guarantee to sell your project. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you know that there's always a risk to um, create games or create products uh, without being paid, right? it's... Um, right. It's a death of the whole commercial market yeah. back then. Yeah. So Lemmings was indeed the last. And and Mayhem in Monsterland uh, was was the game beforehand, right before. And actually, in uh, in Zap 64, you could read an article. There was a race, which game would be first, Lemmings or Mayhem in Monsterland? And as we all know by history, Mayhem in Monsterland was first by a short margin. But I yeah. doubt it was a commercial success because it was so late. Right. I mean, I mean, now the question is: Was Lemmings as commercial success on the Commodore 64? I'm not sure. Cannot I'd... believe this. Yeah. When Lemmings came out, you hardly get uh, any games in the market because um, when there was no C64 hardware, then nobody sells the same games. This was only available for mail order um, here in Germany, I guess. Right. Yeah, that's the problem. Lemmings came right out when Commodore went bankrupt. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, now the question is, uh, did the bankruptcy of Commodore lead to the end of the commercial main I market? I don't believe it did, because Commodore had been hurting the commercial market for years. So so getting rid of them didn't do anything to kill developers. I remember, I remember uh, developers reading at the time that people were kind of happy that Commodore wasn't around. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because they've been leaving them. They've been leaving the the users high and dry for years, and it, and 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 Commodore going away gave um, gave uh, more free reign to places like CMD and stuff to produce hardware and 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 stuff for the C sixty four. Right, right. Well, I mean, I mean, I still hope Oliver that you don't give up on the publishers. It will still be nice to see the game. In a commercial way, um, with with cartridge and packaging and manual and and label and stuff. Well, we are we are doing some stuff around the project, so we are producing boxes, but but without the game, it's more like um, put your uh, put your original game in um, your own right. Um, um, but it it, it it wasn't be wouldn't be possible other way around because you always everything you would do in this approach would be, um, then there was a point that the publisher would say no and um, for, right. for 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 good reason mm -hmm. and right. yeah this is um, I opened this graphics um, because I want to show you what we are doing at the moment it's because of uh, details like this there's a switch somewhere hidden in in the back and um, the whole graphics wow. here around are quite detailed and uh, you need to see it anyway. This scene reminds me a bit of um, of uh, Tomb Raider for some reason. Hmm. I don't know well, why. I don't know why. but All like this. 
Whoa. Or or here that there is a secret switch um, which need to be um, something around it because when this wouldn't be happened then um, nobody would ever mention that there might be a dot to uh, click on. Right, right. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, wasn't wasn't it like that in Zach McCracken sometimes where you would where you would look for that little object to pick up and stuff and you you took you took millions of years to get to get the right spot to click on <laughs> and, and last ninja was another example you you wanted to third you, part you, you, the first two games were quite obvious where to uh, where to use something because they were always flashing, flashing the up, third, right. and the third part there was um um, major stuff going on the uh, hidden in the bushes uh, <laughs> right 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 yeah. yeah so last ninja 3 they thought it was too easy no no but but i wasn't i wasn't talking about uh, being obvious or not or flashing or not i was more like how how, how accurate you had to click or position your figure on some place yeah. to mm -hmm. actually reach the item you want yeah that's true I hope I hope you will not be that picky in in this game. No, because it I don't think so. the hell out of me, you know. No, I, one one millimeter to the left, hmm. one to the I, right. Sure. I'm not I'm not quite sure how the code is done, but I guess it's more like um, it should be match the region of the character here. <laughs> and that's enough. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't think so that um, that will be so picky here. <laughs> A lot of nice graphical games were unfortunately destroyed by horrible controls. Yeah. Which won't happen here, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, as you can see, there's no, there are many, many, many uh, decorations going on here. Mm -hmm. um, way more than usual C64 games um, contain. Next time I fall down a trap, I will say, no, it's not a trap. It's a decoration part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're calling it decorations here. <laughs> <laughs> Impressive, really impressive. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And when here is stuff going on, when you see here some parts which are quite still red, those are those um, Elements which don't follow uh, C64 restrictions right now, they have to be reduced. Um, hmm. Like here. Hmm. Okay, I see. Here. Well, you could do a DTV version. It has less restrictions. Yeah. But what's the fun about it? Because you have <laughs> you have 
two megabytes of RAM there, and um, well, you have a blitter and uh, stuff. It's um, I know. It's no challenge uh, for, for um, from this point of view, Zarek. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I would say um, uh, DDV is a cool pla uh, system. I, I say, but um, well, it's um, here is the challenge is the most fun of it. I think. Mm -hmm. True. True. This could be a killer Mega sixty five app. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, first you need the 800 euros to, to get one of those units. Hmm. Well, we'll see. Um, I'm a bit critical about Mega 65. Oh, really? Yeah, because it's, um, in my opinion, it's too expensive mm -hmm. uh, for a, such kind of machine. And um, I guess um, compatibility to the original C64 is not there. And there's some stuff going on, as far as I know, that there's no chunky mode like in the DTV. Right. Uh, and um, this is something I, I don't know. When, when a DTV is more powerful than the Mega 65. Well, I think they're trying to rebuild the, six, the Mega 65 as Commodore had it. Which, mm. you know, which is not as good as later iterations of machines. Yeah, but I think it's mostly a compromise. It's, mm. um, uh, you have, in my, in my opinion, the Mega 65 is more like a machine for um, ambitious home coders. Mm -hmm. It's um, it's a perfect. It might be a perfect system for for 8-bit demo coders mm. or 8-bit home developers just to mess around with with such stuff and um i think there you have to, there are some cool stuff if you follow the roots of of the origi original c65 um machine but otherwise you um have to look what's what people using now yeah right what people are using right. now and um this is something which is, um, uh, I don't know. Um, as I said, I am critical, but I, I'd like to see the um, project in existence. But um, I'm not sure if this will be really a, a success because of the price and such details. Yeah. Interesting. Now, now looking at this, I really hope you will continue your uh, Mode 7 approach in the future. Because <laughs> I want to play F-Zero on my Commodore 64. Well, for F-Zero, it's um, way too uh, challenging. But, but I guess something like a kart race or so might happen. <laughs> Super Commodore kart! Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, it's quite fast. I, um... I'm not sure if I have the original here of the of this. <laughs> yeah, sure, show us. It's been some years since I yeah, since yeah. I've seen. Gonna... I think I think actually you have I think I actually you have I, never seen. I've this. never seen this. I'm gonna grab a drink really quick. Hang on. Yeah, just it's, cut, it's cut it's this not... part out. Yeah, it's not the current version of uh, of the engine. I see this is the old one, but uh, it still works. 
Oh no, that's another one. Um, okay, that's that that I don't know. Uh, no, then I have to search for it, and it's not on um, on my cartridge at the moment. Sorry. Oh, no problem. No problem. But I can find it. He's grabbing a drink anyway, so we have we have some time. <laughs> Check out on the emulator. You didn't miss anything. He's yeah, still yeah. looking for the file. That's why I figured it would be a good time to go and refill my drink. Yeah. I gave him quite a task there. Ah. Just because we spoke about him earlier, it was Robin Levy, who hmm. was the uh, yeah. artist and level designer of Armalite and commercial commercial graphic graphicing of System Three. Yeah, so Robin Levy was it. He also did the graphics for Last Ninja Three. Right. And some Amiga games like um, Rough and Tumble. Baser test, that's it. HJ, have yeah. a look. Okay, then I have to switch over to joystick again. Both seven on the Commodore 64. It's still uh, quite blocky, but as you can see, it's quite fast. Oh yeah, ooh. I don't know if you know Mode 7 HA, but it's, yeah, it's the Mario technique Kart. that... Yeah, Mario Kart, F-Zero. And and a few others. Hmm. So, but but it's still an engine test, and um, as you can see, it's still very blocky. Uh, we are talking about how to improve um, the things here that this can be used as uh, for for hmm. more graphical detailed stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? But uh, but as you can see quite fast and it works it's awesome it's awesome 
Well, I have to say, Oliver, it's so great to have you back in action. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Because many commercial artists and stuff, they're like, okay, it's, it's a thing of the past. I don't want to be involved anymore, you know. And it's really, really great to see that your commercial experience you it's put It's a great into... hobby. Yeah, oh, yeah it's, it's a great hobby. It's... <laughs> true, <laughs> true. Well, we we can do nowadays things we only have to we can dreamed of because we had no time for anything and we have now tools to um, increase the speed of development and trying new things and um, the knowledge uh, from the coders is also very quite special right now because back then people were sitting on their knowledge um, right and didn't share anything and it's. Uh, Nowadays, it's more like an open source nature. Um, people are sharing their whole secrets right now. Yeah. And yeah. Um, this is why um, the homebrew scene at the moment is its even better. Um, when people would have more time, I'm pretty sure that there were also more big productions going on. Um, but even the small projects, there have... Um, Graph status. Uh, this this wasn't this wasn't typical for for the 80s or 90s. It's right. completely different right now. Yeah, yeah. Think of Sam Journey. It's absolutely impossible in the early 90s to produce something like that. Right. Yes. True. True. Or even the current game is. Um, I I can remember when I was in the commercial industry back then we had three months to finish a game. Yeah, it's, right, right. Exactly. That, that's what I was saying before. Where it's like the 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 commercial industry back in the 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 time when games were actively being produced was was you know get it done as quick as possible and out the door and don't worry about these tricks to make it look great. Yeah. Yeah, and and you had you had um, you had games like Chase HQ, where they simply used the Spectrum version and converted it, and it was horrible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's always a bad idea to do something like Specky emulation on a C sixty four. Right. Wouldn't, yeah. Wouldn't work. I remember uh, we had we had an interview with um, Dave Lowe, who did many of the musics for the. Uh, home conversions of arcade games and he said when he did the music for hard driving he thought okay this game is so bad it's surely hard driving and this game yeah. is done <laughs> oh yes there there is karen yeah i saw it is because the uh, racing demo it's it looks quite neat uh, in motion but it's not a good background i guess <laughs> And um, I think I've read that one of the one of the developers of Thimbleweed Park also helped in the Karen project. Yeah, that's um, that's right. The Robert McGowan who um, exactly. helped us with the tra uh, with the translations. Um, he is the main tester of Thimbleweed Park, and um, Martin uh, is also a friend with with some of the developers there. And um, well. There's also something happening that I met Ron Gilbert, um, mm -hmm. talking to him uh, about this project, and well, yeah, 
I think the name was Terrible Toy Box. Yeah, yes, yeah. that's, that's a devil. That's the uh, development group. Ex of, exactly, of yes, him. yes. Robert McGowan, I had an interview with him at Gamescom where Thimbleweed ah, yeah. Park was still in the early stages and they were showing it in the Microsoft Xbox booth. Yeah. I remember that, having a fast pass and the angry looks of the gamers. Like, you know, there are signs like, waiting time, five hours from here. Yeah. And we're like, oh, Mr. Trigger, you have an appointment. Press appointment. Come with me. Yeah, this is... This was something uh, I also enjoyed very much because uh, Robert uh, invited us to see uh, a, a preview of Thimbleweed Park back then, and uh, we didn't have to wait. <laughs> this was yeah, quite exactly. nice. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And at this, at this, at this time, I, I, I didn't know that he was involved in this Karen project, uh, so I was very, very happy when I read it on his homepage. He actually mentioned it. Yeah, um, we were very glad that we he was on board here, and um, I guess in, in the follow-up he will also um, be involved again. Um, you know, I'm very, I'm very, I'm very sad that that I wasn't part when there um, there was a sale of this um, physical edition on cartridge. I totally missed that one. Yeah, and it almost didn't happen. Really? Because, yeah, because we didn't want to uh, publish a, a physical game. It was because Sam Dyer asked us um, to do something for his book project as um, additional tier. Um, because um, the, the first version of Karen was not the game we wanted to do. And this was also the point with the, why we are splitting up between Karen 1 and 2 hmm. and not telling the first game um, something like a demo version or stuff, which some people do. Um, because um, we had not enough time to develop the world. We started yeah. um, the whole thing and um, need to cut off. There were nine months and after six months, the engine was already at the point that you can play the game. We had only three months to do some rooms and doing puzzles and stuff. Um, and the uh, physical version was um, the first approach to evolve the game in this direction. Hmm. Um, so uh, it's about 50% larger than, um, than the first version we did for the competition and um, also um, has more stuff going on like like um, lore uh, of the world yeah, there is um, there's an exhibition that you can you can visit and look around the stuff that is happening um, at the time of the game to build up more atmosphere and so and uh, in my opinion even the puzzles work better um, in in the last version here but it's still the beginning and um we we did uh, this cut there because we were telling how um the second part will be the whole story then and um it will be a quite a different experience even hmm. because we have not enough npcs right now um right. so you mean non-playable characters? Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> so you want to make the world more um, 
More vivid? Yeah. Ah, okay. Awesome. It's interesting. So now I now I understand why there are so many versions of the game. I never knew. I never knew the background story of this thing. I thought like, yeah. why they're releasing another version and another version and another version? Why? <laughs> uh, there were only planned two versions uh, actually uh, in at first because we uh, we saw that um, the. Um, that after the competition, we said, okay, this was be it's a unique game, and everything is okay. Um, and the only thing we were uh, we were developing was a cartridge, an Easy Flash version around there, because we want to um, watch how it um, is with uh, even less loading times, um, even though. Um, the loading times in Karen on disk are extremely short. Mm. Um, you have to wait five seconds and the next screen is there. Right. Um, now, um, but well, as I said, it's the last two versions, version 1.3 and um, the thank you edition is mostly because of the um, C64 visual companion box. Interesting, yeah. I should hmm. ask Sam if he still has a physical copy somewhere. No, he, he doesn't. Tell me. Uh, he doesn't? Uh, no. Too bad. Too bad. I mean, I mean, you can buy a 300 euros unit on eBay or stuff if you have too much money laying around, which I don't. But... Yeah. <laughs> someday. Someday. You mean you mean Sam will do a reprint? I'm not sure about that. No, no. Um, someday y'all have extra money laying around ah. <laughs> probably we don't know um well the most interesting effect is that um for the eye of the beholder project the andreas larson is also producing its own cartridges its own easy flash versions mm. uh, for as an in a low cost uh, variant um and um when this will happen then it's also more interesting to do a reprint or something, um, at least for the thank you edition. Right. Will you ping me? Because I'm interested <laughs> in the physical release yeah. of the yeah. A of the Beholder, definitely. If it happens, yeah. <laughs> of course, of course, yeah. Don't forget about me. I'm really very interested. Mm -hmm. uh, this is amazing. This is all amazing. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I probably only understand half of what AJ is understanding because I'm not a graphic guy, but at least, as you know, I know some of the techniques behind it yeah. uh, because I dig deep into how uh, Lemmings works and stuff. Hey, but yeah. I am kind of speechless because I'm kind of looking at it being like, oh, yeah, that's a beautiful idea to do that. That's that's fantastic. you know. It's... And then my brain shuts off because I, I'm just like, ooh, how, how can I use that? Yeah. Well, well, I'm I'm trying I'm trying to to match what Oliver is saying mm -hmm. to techniques I learned from Mayhem and Monsterland and Lemmings. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> or Terrican is another example, where where they used a Charizard graphics as as uh, the environment to put them together and stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, to be honest, I think Terrican is the most um, interesting piece of game ever produced on a C64 during its commercial lifetime. Really? Yeah. I'm pretty sure about this because there's there was so much going on um, which ha didn't happen before. Um, this huge world, this... Um, 
the combination of animations in the background and uh, different parallax routines, especially in the second part of the game, um, and um, mixing up stuff and playing around with with the level design uh, in a way which is not so it's more natural um, from the development point. Hmm than other games were done back then. Mostly we were most like, yeah, let's do a level, let's place uh, enemies here and there. And um, I told to Andreas Escher that the whole process in Tarakan 2 was more like, um, yeah, he was placing some stuff, was uh, trying to jump here and jump there and um, doing little stuff here. and. Um, Independent from him, Manfred Tenz did the same thing about the sprites. And um, it was more like um, the gameplay um, evolved uh, while test testing the game hmm. and not okay. on paper. Okay. Interesting. So, and, and the huge bosses uh, which are going on there and um, this uh, kind of... Uh, when when the bosses approach, uh, this was something I have never seen before. And a whole C64 world, the second game. True, true. true. Ah, it's, it's great, yeah. yeah. So, so you are implying that things like Mayhem and Monsterland Lemmings could happen because Terry can show it how it's done? Um, I think there it's a similar thing. It's not exactly um, relying on on stuff which which are created with the Torrican games, um, but it's on a on a different level. And it was way too late that that this has an impact on on this on the system. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Point. Point taken. Point taken. Yeah, amazing. Yes, that's awesome. Where, where can people go to find out, like, to learn about this stuff, to, to follow along with what you're doing? Um, mostly um, mostly on Facebook, okay. actually. <laughs> <laughs> so they have to see your Facebook? Well, because I, I, use, I use Facebook um, kind of um, a PR platform for me. Um, we have an also for prior art um, uh, own website um, to promote the games and stuff. But but um, Eye of the Beholder is not a prior art project, for example. Right. But uh, I use pr uh, Facebook, and if some people want to talk to me and learn about stuff, I, I I'm doing things there. Uh, last week I did also um, first time real time pixeling a stream. Ooh, I saw that. I saw that. Impressive. Yeah. So, so, so actually, that means people who are not your friends on Facebook, they can go to Prior Art homepage. Yeah, but I can also try to contact me on Facebook, um, which is okay for me. This. <laughs> this. Okay. Cool. We'll put links to that in the podcast description down yeah. below or there, somewhere down there on there. Of course, we will do yes, that. Yes. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Well, it's was awesome. nice catching up with you. It's great. Yeah. Yes, indeed. So, good night, Oliver. I would say it's almost yeah. night time here. <laughs> good night to you too. <laughs> you too. Bye bye. Bye.